Well, surprise. You get someone a little different tonight. We're going to give Trey a night to have a different perspective. He gets to sit and watch. Hopefully, I won't let him down. He's gone to the bullpen. He doesn't like to go to the bullpen. If you don't know Trey, he was a starting pitcher. He didn't like to go to the bullpen. He just wanted to throw all nine innings, right? So here we are. We're in the bullpen, so we're going to see what happens tonight, okay? We're going to continue in our scarred series. And I'm just, I'm fired up about the word that God has for us tonight. I'm just telling you, this is good, right? Like the first message, right, we talked about the pain, right, and how pain hurts. And it was a heavy message. Right? And then we kind of moved into the process of healing. And now we're going to come out into our third part. And tonight we're going to talk about the story of peace. Story of peace. But before we get to that, I, I was thinking about scars in our lives, right? And I was thinking about the different types of scars we get, right? Like we've got our scars and our wounds that we hide. Those big, deep ones, those dark, secret ones that only like one person, maybe two in our life know about those scars. And then we got some scars that are like there that we acknowledge every once in a while. Like, yeah, I've experienced that or I've been through that. I've dealt with that. And then does anybody like can relate to this? Like you have a scar like you're proud of. Like, yeah, I got that scar. Yeah, let me tell you about that, right? Like I've got one, okay? I've got a scar that I'm proud of, okay? I don't know if you can see it very well, but these two fingers right here are crooked. They don't go together, Right? Hold your left hand up, put your two fingers together, and realize that they should look like this. They should be straight up and down. They should touch. There shouldn't be a gap. I've got a nice little fancy, small, about quarter, third inch of a gap, right? But I'm proud of this, and let me tell you why. When I was 10 years old, right, in a Baptist church, I was there that night with my dad. We were about to go to the associational father-son dinner, right? And at this dinner was going to be the world record holder for the longest lasso catch ever. And he was going to show off his lasso skills. Yeah, I'm from southeast Alabama. That's what we did for fun. All right? It's all right. But before, because we had a bunch of boys, we played football in the yard. See, my church that I grew up in was a great setup for a football stadium. And let me tell you why. You had the sanctuary like where this section was, right? And then our Sunday school building was kind of over here. And our church designed it so perfectly that it created a perfect square of grass. Let me tell you something. If we were there, we were footballing it up. It didn't matter if we were in our Sunday morning best that our moms dressed us in. We all went home with grass stains, right? It just it got to the point where, like, our parents just dressed us in blue jeans because they knew we were going to end up in the square yard playing football. To the point, we played football so much, right? And this was in the day. Anybody remember the song by Audio Adrenaline, Big House? Anybody remember that? Right? I mean, it was in the course, right? A big, big yard where we can play football, right? We were just living out the gospel, right? We were playing football at the church. That's what we were told to do, right? It got to the point where our pastor actually lined it, right? Which was all even better, right? Now we're living out our Super Bowl dreams every night of the week. So, anyway, this is the night we get there, we're playing football, and my dad decides he's going to be all time quarterback, right? And my dad's not the most athletic, but it's okay. He wanted to be a good dad. And you know, be there for all the boys, and we had brought some of the kids off my basketball team, and so a couple of them didn't have dads, so he was, you know, super dad, I'm going to be quarterback, right? So dad decided he was going to be Brett Favre that night, right? I mean, he's just slinging it at us, hardcore gunslinger, it's lasers everywhere. So son, having to live up to dad's standards, I'm like, okay, 
Dad throws it to me. I got to catch it. Well, Dad happens to throw one across the middle of the field, and I lay out for it. Everything I got, and I caught it with my left hand. And when I somersaulted and stood back up and went, yeah, the football was wedged between my fingers. You know, there's a little white stripe on the top of the football on each side of the laces. That white stripe was through my fingers. That's how far it was wedged in between. So dad being the big, caring, loving teddy bear daddy is, he walks up, he's like, hey, son, great catch. Smacks the football out of my hand. Now the pain sets in because I realize that one finger's going this way and one finger's going this way and they both should be going this way, right? But because we were going to see Mr. Lasso World Record Holder, I couldn't go to the hospital. I got to go see Lasso World Record Holder. So me and Dad built a splint out of garden tape and pencils so that I could go see this lasso guy. Now, my dad worked in the hospital at the time, so when we finished, we went to the hospital. We went through this, like, secret back door. I'll never forget it. This, like, back door, there was, like, four parking spaces at this door, and there were three doctors reserved and one empty one that apparently was my dad's. Like, that's how prominent he was in the hospital. And so we went in this back door through this tunnel, end up in the emergency room, and the doctor walks up, and he's like, Harry, what's happened? He's like, well, my son, he takes the splint off, and he goes, whoa. He goes, all right. Matthew, you got two choices. This is the doctor talking. He pulls this metal rod out of his little coat thing. Small. It's about that long, about that big around. He said, okay, you got two options. I can take this rod, put it on your knuckles, bend your fingers over the rod, and put them back in place. Or we can splint it, and you can see what happens, and you'll probably have crooked fingers the rest of your life. Well, I was 10. What do you think I chose? But, hey, I made the catch. Okay, I made the catch. And here's what's even better about this story, too, is this was in the age when cell phones weren't really a thing, right? So we got home at like 1130 at night. My mom had no idea why, right? My mom had just figured like revival had broken out at the lasso (laughs) dinner, right? And so we come walking in, and it's like dad walks in first, and he's like, oh, hey, honey, you know, we had a great night. And he's like, Matthew, good night. Hope you had fun. And so I'm like, bye, mom, good night. And she's like, whoa, what's that silver thing on your hand? I'm like, oh, I just broke two fingers. It's fine. We'll move on. I made the catch, though, mom. I made the catch. Remember telling her about that, right? But then there's these other scars that we have, right, some that we're maybe not so proud of, right? Like, if you look real closely at me, I'm going to tell you another scar story of me, okay? I have two dots on my forehead about right here. Okay, that are scars. Because when I was five, I had a great habit of running through the house. So we have this house that like when you come in the back door, there's a hallway, and then you turn, and when you turn, it's the whole house. Like this is the living room, and my room is on the other end, and it's a straight shot. So when I was five, son, I was booking it. I was like, I'm training for the Olympics in this moment. I'm going to get from point A to point B as fast as I can. My parents would always say, stop running through the house. They'd spank me every time. Stop running through the house. I didn't care. I'm going to make the Olympics because I'm going to get to my room in 0.5 seconds, right? I've always been obsessed with the Olympics. That was my thing. I'm going to get to the Olympics, right? Just so happens I'm five years old. I'm running through the house. And this is the point where my parents had stopped, spanked me so much and told me to stop so much that they had just given up. They were like, hey, you know what? He's going to fall and bust his head. and We'll just deal with the mess when it happens. And he'll maybe he'll learn his lesson then. Well, sure enough, it happened. Come home from school. I'm booking it. One foot off the other. Bam! Hit my head on a cassette tape drawer. Some of you don't even know what cassette tapes are, but they were these long, they held the, went in these drawers that were long and skinny that you could just pull out this like never-ending rack of cassette tapes. It's like, how many are in there, right? I hit my head square on the corner of that, right? Now, I don't do blood very well. I never have. So you can imagine five-year-old Matt, busted head, bleeding everywhere. It's a graphic scene. Like, blood's going everywhere. I'm hurling. It's just, 
It's a bad scene. And you know my dad. I love my dad to death, and he's probably going to listen to this, and it's going to be awesome. He's as caring as it can be, but he's also as tough as can be. And he was like, well, told you. Let's get in the car, right? So he takes us to the hospital. And so the reason why I got a second one is because I actually hit my head so hard it created a small crack in my skull. So they had to create a second dot and send this, like, quicksand glue type stuff into this thing so that when my skull grew, because I was only five years old, right, like my head's going to get bigger, the crack wouldn't grow, right? So I would have this never-ending crack. And so as a kid, right, for a long time, because I had to go back and they had to keep checking it and all this kind of stuff, I had this huge bandage that was like the size of my forehead, right, that I had to wear for a large portion of like five, six years old, right? And it was kind of embarrassing, right, to walk around with this massive bandage on your head and all your friends like, dude, what are you doing? So like I wore hats all the time, right? But then as I got older, I came to grips that like, hey, I'm just going to have two dots on my head and maybe eventually they'll go away or maybe they're not, whatever. It's kind of a funny story. And I learned to never run through the house again. Like I stopped, right? Uh, and I'm not in the Olympics. And that's why, because I busted my head on that cassette tape holder. So ended my dreams. But what happened with that scar that I think I want us to see is that our scars lead us to a story of peace. Because I just came to grips with the fact that I won't have two dots on my forehead. And you know what? It's no big deal. It's just part of me. It's just who I am. Same thing with the deeper scars, the emotional scars, the psychological scars, the spiritual scars, the self-inflicted wounds we've talked about, or wounds that have happened to others. They begin to tell a story of peace. And so let's look at that. And we're going, we're going to stay. We're going to Exodus 2. And we're also going to be in Genesis 41. I'll give you a second to get there. We're going to stay with these two guys. We've been looking at Moses and Joseph. All right, and so the first thing I want us to see is that pain drives us to peace. Look in Exodus chapter 2, in verse 21, the first part. It says, and Moses was content to dwell with the man. And then we flip over to Genesis chapter 41, and in, starting in verse 46, it says, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went, at, and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly. And he gathered up all the food of these seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt and put the food in the cities. He put in every city the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. And so what we see here with these two guys, and as we've been walking through their journeys and how extremely parallel they are, here in the story of peace, we're going to kind of see them coincide a lot. We're going to see a lot of similarities in these two stories. And what we see here is these two guys just picked up the pieces and they moved on. Right? It tells us Moses was content to dwell with the man. Because we learned last week that he helped these women at the well get water, and the women went back. And, they, and the dad was like, yo, what are you doing? And how do you get back so fast? And they're like, well, there's this guy, this Egyptian, he like helped us. And they were like, go get him. Come bring him home so he can eat. And Moses was like, yeah, cool. Right? I mean, Moses was fleeing from a self-inflicted wound. He's coming out of the process of healing, right? He's gone through that. We've seen the healing in his life. And now here he is in a place where life goes on. And what happens is our pain does the same thing to us. We have that pain, we go through the process, and all we end up in is in the spot of peace. Because that's what God wants to do in our lives. 
So Moses was content, and we see it with Joseph, right? It tells us that he entered into the service of Pharaoh, and he went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. So Joseph gets put in place of power with Pharaoh because he interpreted some dreams, and we see the same thing with Joseph. He's just living life, right? He's got a job. He's got some power. He's in control of some land, and so he's just taking care of business. He's just moving on. We see that they've come to this place that they move on. And the same thing comes true in our life is once we come out of that process of healing, we just become content with where we are in life. Because we understand what we've walked through. We can see it now in a different way. And it brings us to a place of contentment. And that's a beautiful thing. When we're just content with where God has us. We're not worried about what's to come. We're not worried about what's behind or what we've been through. But right now, in this moment, I'm just going to live the life that God has given me. We saw that in Joseph a lot, right? Like, we got a lot of Joseph's story last week. We talked about his setbacks, right? Like, this guy was sold into slavery after he was thrown into a pit by his brothers. And then he gets sold to Potiphar's house. And then the wife tries to accuse him of sleeping. So then he gets thrown in jail. And then now here he is back in power. And Joseph just never stopped. He just kept living regardless of the stars. Scar, excuse me. What I want us to see is when we come to this place of peace, we come to peace with three things. The first thing we come to peace with is our Savior. We come to peace with God. Like, hey, God, you know what? I'm hurt. I'm battered. I'm bruised. I'm walking through some stuff, but you're enough. You're enough. And that's good for me. And at the end of the day, if I'm beaten, if I'm tattered, if I'm bruised, but I've got you, God, I'm good. That's what our pain brings us to. It always takes us to that place. It usually takes us to a place of brokenness in the middle of that process of healing to where we're so broken that we're literally crying out, God, I just need you. And we stop talking. And we stop begging. And we stop asking. And we just bask in his presence. And all we walk away with is his presence. And in turn with his presence comes peace. We become peace with our Savior. We also become at peace with the situation. And both of these we see, right? Moses was content to dwell with the man. I love that in Scripture. I love that in this part of the story that it literally tells us that Moses says, hey, I'm good with the situation I'm in. I don't need a different situation. I don't have to go fix things. I don't have to go create something for myself. I'm good exactly where God placed me. And we see the same thing in Joseph's life. He just went out, right? It says he just went out and started collecting grain. Their land was being prosperous, so he just went to work, content with their situation. But the third thing that happens is we become content with our scars. And oftentimes, that's the hardest one. It's easy to be content with God, right? He's all-powerful. He's, he's all-knowing. I mean, it's Easter, right? Like, he rose up from the dead, and we're all excited about that, and we're talking about his freedom, and, and that's good, right? And then it's easy, too, to be content with our situation, especially when things are going well for us, right? We're like, yeah, this is good. I'm right where God wants me to be. But when we talk about being content and at peace with our scars, that's a whole other story. Because just like the one on my head where I was ashamed of it and wanted to cover it up for a while and had to come to a place of peace of it, it's the same thing for these guys. See, look in Scripture. It tells us Joseph was 30 years old now. Do you remember how old he was when he started telling his brothers about his dreams? He was 17. So when we started talking about Joseph two weeks ago, he was 17 years old. Now he's 13 years down the road, and now we see him in a place where he's content with what he's walked through. 13 years. Because oftentimes when we're talking about our scars, 
we tend to try to rush peace. We can't rush peace. We can't embrace it. That's what these two men have done. They've just embraced the peace of God. Because what, they do, what they've seen is that the, when we come out of our pain and we come through that healing, we see the providence of God. How many times has God stepped up to the plate for you? That you can turn around and testify to his providence. That his hand is all over that situation. But you don't see it till when? The end. The backside of it. It's hard to see it in the moment. But when we become content with him and content with the situation he's put us in and become content and at peace with our scars, then we see the providence. And then we feel the peace. And then we walk in testimony of the peace. We can't help but to do that. Because that's what he does for us. Do you get that? That's what he did. This isn't just two stories that's great. That are just, they just so happen to kind of walk through some scars and then they both come out good on the back side of it. No, this is what God does for us now in 2019. He's saying your scars are your scars. And yes, you've dealt with it. And yes, you've been through it. But I want to be faithful to you. And I want to give you my peace right now in the situation you're in, regardless of the scar, if it's self-inflicted or from others. Just like he did these guys. And so that pain that we go through, it drives us to peace with him. And what it drives us to is the second thing I want us to see. It's peace in his presence. Peace in his presence. How many times have you been hurt and you've got to that point of brokenness and you just cried out, God, I, I don't know what's going to happen or, or what. I don't really care. Just can you please do something? I just need you. And you stopped. And how many times did he speak to you in that moment because God is a God of peace this is who he is and all he's asking when you're hurting when you've walked through something it doesn't matter if it's self-inflicted it doesn't matter if somebody else has hurt you he just wants you to sit in his presence how incredible is that the holy God of the universe the same God that we prayed about in the beginning that spoke and this earth was created is the same God that intimately wants to sit with you there's peace in his presence because that intimate God says, your scar, I'm bigger than it. I'm so much bigger than it. Your scar may hurt. Your scar may leave a little damage. But my glory is brighter than that damage. Come on, right? That's what's happened with these dudes. They've walked through this process of healing. They've walked through that. They sat in his presence. They got lost in the presence of God. And the great thing about it is when we get lost in the presence of God, all we walk away with is the peace of God. Man. But we can't walk away with the peace of God unless we get lost in the presence of God. So many times we go to God with our hands out. We go to God as beggars. Please, God, do this. Please, God, do this. And sometimes he says, look, just sit. Just sit. That's why that verse that we all know, be still and know that I am God, is so powerful. Because sometimes he just wants you to rest in his peace. But you can't do that if you don't go to him. You can't find his peace if you don't sit with him. See, I'm a fixer by nature. My wife will tell you, I try to fix everything. And the way that I try to fix everything is I ask questions. 
I'll ask Morgan about 47 questions a day, and it drives her nuts, right? Morgan's like, just do whatever, right? Just make sure it's done right, but please do whatever. Like, stop asking me all these questions, right? It's something I'm trying to improve in in our marriage because I know I'm just driving her nuts. So I've gone from like, and 47 is good. Like, when we first got married, I was probably asking her like 82 questions a day. I've gotten a little better, right? I try to fix things. I try to ask a bunch of questions, and I do that in my own spiritual walk and with the scars that I'm going through as I try to ask God, why, God? God, explain. God, tell me this. God, can't you answer this? God, why can't you do this? And he's saying, Matt, shh. Be still. That's what he did in these guys. He made them still. That's what I think is great about what we see in their stories, right, is Moses went out into the desert, and he got still. Joseph was kind of forced to be still, right? He was in prison, but he got still. Sometimes God does that in our lives. He forces us to be still because we won't stop. His presence leads us to see past the scars. Both of these men saw past the scars. They just saw past them. They got to a place. Moses, the same thing. It was many years that transpired between him killing the guy and him being content to dwell with the man, as we just read. Many, many years. But he was fine. Because the scars, and this is on your sheet, and this is, God just, he brought this to me over the weekend, and it, it's just, it's rang in my head. The scars make us come to grips with who we are in Christ. Because what scars make us realize is that we are extremely inadequate. And the people around us are extremely inadequate. Because I think we tend to do that. We tend to either put ourselves on a pedestal, sometimes knowingly, sometimes unknowingly, and we do that with people in our lives. We'll put people in our lives in a pedestal, and then all of a sudden they cut our legs out from under us. And what those scars testify to and make us come to grips with is our identity in him. Because let me tell you something, every single time he's enough. Every single time he's the answer. Every single time he's the rock that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, that when the waves come and the storms come, you stand on the rock and you won't be moved. The storms are coming. The scars are going to happen. It's part of this flesh that, thanks to Adam and Eve, we got to live with flesh. So we get scars because of flesh. But what when we get in the presence of God... We come to grips with who we are in God. And we're able to see past the scars. And, and, and I'll tell you this. This is real in, in, in our life, right? We're here in Florence, Alabama, my wife and I. Right? I. I went to school here, graduated in 2012, in case you didn't know that. Morgan went to Alabama, right? All you roll totters, right? So she's from Tuscaloosa, grew up in that area, Alabama. I'm from here. My deepest scars, my deepest, darkest scars happened right here in Florence, Alabama. Happened during my four years here. Some of those scars affect her. And were some things we had to walk through before we got married. And two weeks after marriage, two weeks, we get back from our honeymoon, and I get a phone call that there's a job opportunity at UNA. And we came back, and it wasn't easy. We cried. I, when I came home and sat her down in our brand-new apartment, decorated, her parents came down during our honeymoon, decorated our apartment, put all the furniture, put all the wedding gifts away. It was perfectly clean. I come home from the job that I had that I enjoyed, 
We had great friends in Mobile, really great friends. We had a church that was thriving and growing. We were helping in the college ministry there, too, and it was booming. When we got there, there was one college student. When we left, there were 15 because God was just moving. And I come and say, hey, there's a job at UNA, and I think I'm going to get it. We both immediately started crying. Because we knew what happened to me in this place. But we came with full peace because we knew this is exactly where God wanted us to be. And we still live in peace today regardless of the scars that I've walked through because we know we're right where God wants us to be. And can I tell you something? There's no better place to be than in the presence of God. And there's no better way to walk through life than step in step with the Holy Spirit. Has it been easy for us? No. Has some of those scars reared its ugly head for us? Sure. But our God's a lot bigger. (laughs) And every time I think about that, especially now, I look at that little thing she's rocking back there. It's a testimony of God's faithfulness. She's a testimony of God's faithfulness. You guys are a testimony of God's faithfulness because when we come out of his presence, the third thing we need to see is peace gives us perspective. (laughs) I love this. I love this. Peace gives us perspective. Look back in Exodus chapter 2, verses 21 22. Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. She gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Flip back over to our buddy Joseph, and we'll pick up in verse 50. Before the year of the famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Aseneth, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore them to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. See, what happens with this peace that we get, we've come from pain, we've been driven to see the peace of God, we've come out of his presence, and we're given perspective. The proper perspective. Because see, when we're walking through pain and we're walking through what we've been through, all we can see is the hardship. All we can see is the bad. All we can see is the negative. But when we sit in the presence of God, all we can see is his glory. So we have a perspective, and we see that here with Joseph and Moses because the peace they had motivated them to go. These two guys got up, they went, they went about their life, and they started a family. They moved on. They're starting a family. What they're moving on and their actions do in them starting a family is it just testifies to the peace of God in their life. Moses killed a guy. Him moving on doesn't erase it. Right? He still killed the guy. But he knows he's been forgiven. He knows God has wiped his slate clean. He knows God has healed his scar, so he's just moving on. He's just going on. And God's wanting us to do the same thing. He's wanting us to have a proper perspective, and the peace gives us that perspective that we understand what our scars mean. We move on. Because the thing is, the scars, they don't define us. They only add to our story. Let me say that again. Your scars do not define you. They only add to your story. 
Because our scars, my scars, your scars, every single scar that we have, whether it's self-inflicted, whether it's from others, every single scar testifies to the faithfulness of the Father. If you've walked through the process of healing, you understand what I'm talking about. If you're walking through the process of healing right now, can I tell you something? He's just wanting to pour his peace and his faithfulness and his glory into your life, every ounce of your life, not just that scar, every bit of you. Would you let him? Because the scars don't define us. I am much more than my scars say that I am. Because, see, my scars say that I'm tattered. My scars say that I'm beaten. My scars say that I'm bruised. My scars say that I'm hurt. My scars say that I'm damaged. But when I sit in the peace of God and I walk away with his perspective, I remember what we just walked out of when we talked about identity, right? That I've been bought. That I've been adopted. That I've been wiped clean. That I'm forgiven that I walk with the Holy Spirit of God, the same Spirit that calmed the seas, the same Spirit that put Daniel in a lion's den and brought him out without a scar. That same Spirit is in me and is in you. That's what peace reminds us of because it just calms us down and makes us look at the cross and remember what he did and remember what we're talking about with Resurrection Sunday, that when he walked out of the tomb, our scars and baggage didn't. Only Jesus did with victory in his hand. Our stuff has been nailed to the cross. Can you let it be nailed and stop digging it up out of the grave? It's the perspective that he gives us. That's what we see. Look at what they said. Look at, look at what they said. When they, they, they both have sons, right? And then they give a testimony. I love that. They give a testimony. They take their scars and they give a testimony. Moses says in, cha- in chapter 2, verse 22, he says, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Moses says, hey, I've been wandering. I've been out in a place that I don't know. And I've just been wandering around. But I think the key thing we need to see there is he says, have been. It's past tense. Yeah, I've been there, but that's where I was. Let me tell you where I am now. Moses says, where I am now is in a place of contentment. Flip over to Joseph. What does he say? He names Manasseh. For God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. I mean, how about that? This is a guy that was sold into slavery by his brothers, and he names his son Manasseh because he's forgotten about it. How many of us can stand up today and say, hey, I've forgotten about my scars. I've forgotten about them. Joseph named his kid out of the motivation because he was so wrapped up in peace and so wrapped up in God and so wrapped up in the presence that he forgot about it and all he saw was the glory of the Father. He keeps going. He has a second one. What does he say? For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction because what we see every time with peace is we see the beautiful hand of the Father at work. And it brings us back to that providence we talked about in the first point. Right? And it's not just there. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. You all know 13, but you probably hadn't really paid attention much to the ones leading up to it. This is Paul writing, right? And we know Paul. We know what he's been through. And he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. 
I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hungry, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul says, hey, I know what it's like to have nothing. I know what it's like to have abundance, and all that matters is being content with my Savior. You've been hurt. I know you have. But his peace is bigger. His peace is better. Look in John 16. John 16, verse 33. I love this. This is Jesus talking. I don't know why I didn't mark this. Sorry. John 16, verse 33. Jesus is talking. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, hey, I've got it. I've done it. I've overtaken it. Have my peace. Our scars testify to the story of peace in our life. Can I remind you? Can I remind myself? Our scars don't define us. They just add to the testimony of the Father. That's all they do. Because we can testify that God is real and that God is alive because of what he's done in our life. And let me tell you something. Nobody, 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 and Satan cannot take away the faithfulness of God in your life. They can't. Just like he's victory now and forever, his peace is now and forever. And nobody can take that from you. Nobody. Because see, what happens is when we embrace the peace of God that I talked about earlier, right? We can't rush it. We talked about that at the end last week, right? The package is coming, and we want that package to hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. We're checking it every 30 seconds. Where's my package? It's the same thing with peace. When we embrace it, we see clearly. Because that's what peace does. It just calms the situation. That's why he's the God of peace. That's why he gives it to us. He doesn't want us to walk around anxious and worried and fearful and regretful of everything that we've done and shameful of everything that we've done or what's happened to us. He wants us to walk in peace. You understand that? He wants us to walk in that peace. He wants us to breathe in that peace. He wants us to take in that peace every single day because you know why? Your family needs that peace. Your friends need that peace. Your classmates need that peace. There's somebody in your life that needs to see you proud of your scars like I am of my fingers. Again, it's not going around saying, hey, let me tell you my deepest pain and my darkest secret and the worst thing that's ever happened to me. But it's walking around saying, hey, you know what? I'm tattered. I've beat up. Life's happened. (laughs) But let me tell you about a God who's much bigger. Let me testify to his faithfulness for a minute. Let me testify to his goodness in my life. Let me tell you about a time in my own life when I was so broken to a point where I had gotten to, to where me, Matt Daniels, I was living on my best friend's couch because I couldn't afford an apartment because I didn't have a job and I just had an ugly breakup and I didn't know where I was heading and I'm weeping on the floor of an apartment that's not even mine. Crying out to God. And let me tell you about how he picked me up off that ground and looked me in the eyes and said, I love you. 
take my peace and go. I've got it. Just trust me. I've covered up that scar with the victory and the blood of my son. Whew. When we get caught up in that, all we can do is tell the story of peace.